Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. Always good to hear Charles Barkley in the morning. I'm Jeff Farles in for Gil Alexander. Pete Futag of collegefootballnews.com will be with us in five minutes. Uh, we'll get Pete's uh, thoughts on more realignment chicanery potentially and uh, his thoughts on uh, on the elite of the elite in college football is where we'll go today with Pete Futek. But before we do, I, I want to continue our AFC West discussion. Quarterbacking play in the AFC West, at least for two teams, you know, is you know, one, you know, Mahomes is going to be a top three quarterback at worst in the NFL. And Justin Herbert, I expect a leap forward from an, an already really impressive rookie of the year campaign last year. But if you look at passing yards here, and we'll start with Patrick Mahomes, who we discussed earlier. Pa- Patrick Mahomes is your betting favorite to lead the league in passing yards. I don't think that's a good bet uh, because Kansas City, as you saw last year, will get out to leads. And Patrick Mahomes could be realistically only going with three quarters of a passing yard stats this year because Kansas city could be blowing teams out like they were a year ago. Patrick Mahomes season passing yards total is 5,050 and a half at DraftKings. flat juice on both sides. And now look the big question mark here for Patrick Mahomes last year, 4,740 the year before, of course he missed a few games last year. He didn't play week six game 16, week 17, Ended up with 4,740 
which, uh, again, in 15 games, it would be close to the number that he's at right now. I would only bet that under, even though I think Patrick Mahomes has an MVP caliber year. You're just asking a ton for someone to go over 5,000 yards. And I think the factor with Kansas City being a dominant team and again, I don't think they'll be as ridiculous as they were last year of not playing in fourth quarters and just taking the foot off the gas in second halves in general. But 5,000 yards is just so much to ask of anyone, even in the 17-game season, especially where I think Kansas City's going to wrap the AFC West up pretty early. And we probably won't see Patrick Mahomes in Week 18 against Denver. And we may not see him even in Week 17 this year. So it's just tough for me to go over that total for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Looking at Justin Herbert, now this is more interesting to me. Justin Herbert, second year, obviously, out of Oregon, a great rookie campaign where, look, we didn't expect to see Justin Herbert play last year, but the medical snafu for Tyrod Taylor in week two, Justin Herbert played great against Kansas City. And it was Justin Herbert's job the rest of the year because of the medical snafu. Uh, 15 games last year for Herbert, starting 4,336 yards, uh, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Just a really, doesn't matter if it was a rookie season or not, just an incredible year for Justin Herbert across the board. Uh, I like his total over 4,450 yards. Uh, that Technically, the hook is on there at minus 115 at DraftKings. I expect, even though he had a lot of liberties for a rookie quarterback last year, I don't expect there to be clunkers like they were mixed in last year. Of course, that embarrassing showing where they lost 45 nothing to New England at home. You're not going to see that again. And, yeah, there are some concerns of Herbert having less opportunities to throw because the Chargers won't be trailing in games like they were a year ago in a 7-9 and campaign. Remember, there were games that the Chargers just flat-out blew Uh, last year, including that debacle in Denver early in the season. But look, Herbert, to me, even with a great rookie campaign, is a guy who will even take a leap forward. Again, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. No one is Patrick Mahomes in this league. But Herbert going over 4,700 yards passing would not shock me one bit this year. So I would go Herbert over his passing total again, uh, 4,450 and a half. And then Derek Carr, 4,050 and a half on Carr. Actually, don't mind this thing over. He's captain check down. The Raiders are trailing in a lot of games. And Jason Kahn, what do you do when you're trailing NFL game late? You throw the football. Jason Kahn just did the best uh, throwing behind the glass there. Are going to eat again. I understand that the plan is usually grounded for group with the one coach wants to kind of pound a running back, Josh Jacobs. But I would look to go over on Derek Carr, 4,050 and a half yards passing, just because I think the Raiders are going to stink this year in 2021. It is a numbers game here on VSIN, the sports betting network. I'm Jeff Parles in for Gil Alexander, now with us. One of the hardest working fellas in college football media. It is Pete Futag of College Football News. Pete, it's good to have you on. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing just fine. Good morning to you guys. All right, Pete. So let's uh let's just dive into the, the news news du jour, which 
It feels like we're back in a time machine in 2010 with potential realignment news. And Texas and Oklahoma, uh, again, Texas has never been happy with the Big 12 in, in the last 15 years. Uh, seemingly wanting out to go to the SEC. Uh, uh, Pete, to me, for the SEC, this move wouldn't make much sense. Uh, you're already having teams not play each other for seven years. You're really just, with adding two more teams that hypothetically could be a lead on a yearly basis, you're just destroying the bottom half of the league uh, even more than it already is hurt, Pete. I, I don't think this move makes much sense if it were to happen from the SEC's perspective. Because you're thinking of it the exact wrong way. This has nothing to do with football and on the field. This is a mm -hmm. business discussion. Of course. It's all about money. It's all about what you can do with everything going forward. And as you're seeing how the, the, the seismic shifts in college sports are, are sort of happening here, it's all kind of popping at once, where you're starting with you know the college football playoff potentially expanding. You add Texas and Oklahoma to the mix. You've got about six or seven teams every year from the SEC that could end up being top 12 worthy. Uh, you're talking about uh, a whole new world where TV markets don't necessarily matter, and it's all about streaming services. If you want to upgrade your SEC network, and maybe not make it Netflix, but maybe make it you know Peacock, and you want to be able to charge a streaming service and have 16 teams and have your own little world of uh, college football that everybody's going to want to watch. Well, here you go. Um, and then you maybe make uh, a four division thing of 16 teams and you make a little mini playoff to then be a part of the uh, remaining college football playoff. You could do that as well. So there's a whole slew of ways to do this. There is absolutely no negative from a business standpoint to do this if you were the SEC or Texas and Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to happen. But it's certainly interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, it definitely look for, from Texas and Oklahoma's perspective, it makes sense. Uh, you you get extra. Get, first off, Texas would play A and M. I know both of those schools hate each other, but uh, uh, it w at least would be fun for the fan bases. And look, uh, Oklahoma upping their schedule uh, with playing an SEC schedule would would not hurt them in the long run. And you are right, Pete, with the playoff looking like it's going to expand to twelve. The SEC would probably get half that field, especially with two extra teams uh, like Oklahoma and Texas at that caliber. But, Pete, let's – There's another big part of this, too, real quick, is yep. that remember the name, image, and likeness part of this. Yes. Where is that you're, – you're talking about, you know, Bryce Young. I mean, this happens fast. Where all of a sudden the Alabama quarterback's you know, going to probably make a million dollars at mm -hmm. least. And that's just, that's just being hinted to start. You start making a mega league like this, then all of a sudden, obviously, the sponsorship opportunities go through the roof. You get the you, you, technically, according to NCAA, you can't go entice players with sponsorships and things, but there'll be institutionalized things that would happen. And so you get the better players, the better teams, the better spotlight, more money for everyone. And then, real, one real final quick again, I don't think this is going to happen. I do think there is going to be stuff that happening that's going to happen. And my weird, wild speculation is I actually think the better fit for Texas and Oklahoma is the Pac-12, where you have a new commissioner who wants to expand the footprint, get more into the uh, time zones outside of the Pacific. Uh, I think that's actually the more likely scenario than those two going to the SEC. And I, part of me thinks that Texas and Oklahoma is using this for leverage for another potential deal that could come down the road.
Pete, I agree with you. I think the Pac-12 would be a great fit for both of them. And, and also, too, it would be great for the Pac-12 to add, again, two teams that – well, at least one team in Oklahoma that has been in the playoff uh, in this new era. Pete Futek with us right now, collegefootballnews.com. Uh, Pete, uh, let, let, let's just dive right in to the SEC. They're having their media days in Hoover, Alabama, uh, as they usually do. And let's just start with, with the Tide, the defending champions. And, and Pete, their win total is 11.5 at DraftKings, which is asking Alabama to go undefeated in the regular season. Uh, the over is only minus 105 on the 11.5. Make the case for them not going undefeated this year, Pete. Uh, they're not. It, it's too much to ask of anybody. I don't like the win totals when, for a team like, for example, Clemson when it's at 11, mm -hmm. because that's more on the mark. Uh, but to ask any team to go undefeated is a heavy ask. It's a heavy lift. And uh, I can see where it happened. Like, I could see maybe Ohio State more than, than Alabama uh, doing it. But, look, the, the, the reason why you should go under on all these massive ones, the, the 11 and a half definitely, because you're getting the half. Uh, but for any of these 11 win teams or more, is because we're in the year of the super senior. And the X factor of all this is that team after team after team has like 20 starters returning full of, you know, 24-year-old grown-ass men who are just, you know, they're, they've been around for forever. You're going to have to deal with team after team of guys who have been around who are, look, they get one more year of college football. We don't know what we're going to get. So, for example, take a team like Ole Miss. It's not going to win the SEC West. It's not going to win the SEC Championship or anything like that. But that offense was a killer last year, and they get just about everyone back. And they're going to have at least experience on defense. So on the right day, yeah, they can come up and tag Obama. You know, who knows if the Mike Leach offense is going to finally start to work. He's got a defense, too. Mississippi State on the right day could get Bama. Texas A&M is one of the five best teams in the country. If it gets a quarterback in place, everything is back for the, for the Aggies. LSU is going to be a whole lot better. So 11 and a half, you're, all you're asking is for one loss. And the other part about this is what happens if Bryce Young gets hurt? What happens if, you know, there's a whole bunch of other X factors involved here. That long-winded way of saying you take the under on the 11 and a half. Pete, who do you think in the SEC West is closest to Alabama, though? Is, is it Texas A&M or is it LSU? A&M. LSU is going to be right there. The talent is certainly. Uh, but look at that team that they had last year and how it actually was one of the best teams. I still think it was better than Notre Dame. I, I know Notre Dame was deserving, but the Aggies would have been in the football play. You lose Kimond, and now you have to replace him with a uh, good talent quarterback in the battle, but everybody else is back. You know, the best defensive line in the country. They've got the tight end. They've got the, the, one of the best backfields in the country. And the type of offense that Jimbo Fisher runs is really more slow and go. They, they don't go high octane. They don't go fast. It's kind of okay to have a new quarterback in the mix for this team. And I believe they get Alabama in College Station this year. They do. So that's the team, really, that uh, is the team to watch out for in the West if it's not going to be Bama. Uh, shifting over to the East, Pete, uh, Georgia, the favorite. Uh, their win total is 10.5. Florida, the second favorite. Their win total is 9. Uh, for me, Pete, I, I know JT Daniels is a Heisman favorite. He's, he's third or fourth on the board, depending on where, where you're betting. But am I wrong for saying that I don't fully trust JT Daniels going into this season 
and that Georgia, with laying a price in the SEC East, that's a lot to ask and a lot to ask someone to bet on Georgia laying over $2 to win that division? You're basically, well, to win the division, yeah. You know, who's, who else is there? I mean, Florida's in right. a bit of a rebuild mode. Uh, they're fine. I, I, you're not going to take Kentucky. You know, you're not going to obviously take Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri. No. So to win the division, yes. The 10.5, though, is essentially a coin flip saying, do you think they can beat Clemson or not? Because, I, you know, they, they can obviously, if they beat Clemson, they can lose the game along the way. I don't think with this schedule they're losing twice. You know, you might not believe in JT Daniels, but that defense is amazing. The offensive skill guys around JT Daniels are amazing. Uh, everything is there. I mean, they've, you know, Georgia, when we, t- we have the knee-jerk reaction of who's going to be in the college football playoff, you always have to put Georgia there because talent-wise, they've recruited better than Alabama. They've recruited better than Clemson. They've recruited better than anybody over the last five years. They've got the talent. And to believe in JT Daniels is to kind of believe that the offense is going to take a step up. If you look at the Kirby Smart era, even with uh, Jake Fromm and for the brief moment that Justin Fields was there, they never had a, a guy who averaged or a game where they averaged more than 10 yards per pass. And over the last, I think it's four games that JT Daniels stepped in for, they averaged over 10 yards per throw every game. They're going to have a, they've got a downfield passing element now. They got Eric Gilbert, who's kind of the next Kyle Pitts uh, transfer from LSU, then through Florida at tight end slash wide receiver. They've got the running backs. Everything else is in place to have a big year. The ten and a half is all about whether or not you believe in Clemson, because if they beat Clemson, they're covering that ten and a half. Pete Futek with us right now here on a numbers game, collegefootballnews.com. Pete, uh, there, there are a lot of middle-tier teams in the SEC East, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mizzou. I, I don't think South Carolina can be thrown into that mix yet uh, as being middle-tier. Uh, all their win totals are, are, are in the six-and-a-half, seven range. Which of those three teams of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri would you be most likely to go over a six-and-a-half or a seven win total? Kentucky, if you look at their schedule, it's easy for the first four games, easy for the last four games, and a bear in the middle. So they should be able to, out of those first four last four, come up with at least six wins, maybe seven, potentially even all eight. Uh, And they're going to open up a little bit. They've got a little more of an offense this year uh, to go along with their normal style. Uh, I kind of like them, and actually, I kind of like all of them. I mean, if you look at, you remember, unlike last year when we didn't have a non-conference schedule from almost everybody, now they get those two or three layup cupcake games to, to to pad the records a little bit. So with all these teams, just assume that you have a base of two or three wins to start. You got Vanderbilt on their schedules. You got South Carolina on their schedules. You got Tennessee on their schedules, and just go from there. Pete, I, I want to flip over to the Big Ten. Uh, real quick here, because uh, just just looking at it from afar, it's Ohio State and then the big gap to everybody else. A, a shocking development, I know. Uh, new quarterback there in Stroud, of course, with Justin Fields now in the NFL. But but looking at the Big Ten, though, Pete, who is the second team that you would look at as a legitimate competitor to the Buckeyes? Wisconsin, if it gets its running game back, and it get lost, got lost last year. But you remember they came out. Graham Mertz had a record-setting opening performance against Illinois. Got COVID. The team got COVID. The receiving core was decimated by injuries, and they've just.
things were never quite the same. Uh, the same thing, and it's, it's kind of the hard thing to, to kind of, you know, especially for the, the preseason rankings and the pollsters to get into uh, in the offseason, is that it's easy to identify the teams that have the obvious offensive stars. Uh, but again, like Georgia, for example, again, their defense is amazing. Wisconsin's defense is going to be a brick wall. That thing is going to be unbelievable. Uh, and Mertz, he's probably, you know, if you think about the, the Big Ten, you know, yeah, Stroud's going to be good, but at the moment, who's your all Big Ten preseason quarterback? I mean, there just isn't a, there aren't a whole lot of high end quarterbacks in the league, and Mertz is the high ranked guy. He's arguably the, you know, the best recruit, recruited quarterback ever in Badger history. Uh, and all those receivers are back. So if they can find the running game again, and Jalen Berger is good, he's not Jonathan Taylor or Melvin Gordon, but uh, he needs to get going. If that running game can work, it is Wisconsin. Pete Futag with us here on uh, a numbers game, collegefootballnews.com. Pete, uh, we, we have about uh, about two minutes here. Give me one under-the-radar team that you expect to be much better than a lot of people are, are, are expecting them to be and actually make a whole lot of noise and be a good bet-on team this year. Uh, Texas, again, I, I'm actually the flip side of that. I, I'm kind of thinking like the teams that everyone fell in love with last year, like Indiana, uh, even Iowa State, to a certain extent, I'm kind of down on them this year a little bit in terms of where they're going to be ranked early on, Cincinnati included in that. But if you look at a team like Texas Tech, and that is one of those teams that gets like 20-something starters back. They replace quarter, they've got a quarterback in Tyler Shug from Oregon who left the program there, but he's got the skill set to potentially be, I kind of heard your lead in, like there's no other Patrick Mahomes out there. Well, you know, in terms of talent level, you know, Texas Tech, here's the next guy who's probably the best quarterback there since Mahomes. Mm -hmm. He's got all the tools in place to potentially rise up and be that kind of out of the blue, you know, number one overall draft pick. If it all works under the Matt Wells offense, which hasn't really kicked in yet. So a team like Texas Tech might not win the Big 12 title, but it's going to be a pain in everyone's butt each and every week. Uh, and that, that's kind of the main team out there that I think is not surprised. But really, this year morning, like you mentioned it, the super senior is kind of crazy, kind of boring. I mean, you look at the individuals. Ohio State, as I mentioned before, you don't know, ever you know, take it on the over on 11. Well, you get to lose the regular season under Ryan Day. And that school, if they beat at home, they're going to be the favorite everyone. Ohio State's going to be pretty good. If they Georgia to start the season, it's over. They're in the college football playoff because they're going to be double-digit favorites against everyone else the rest of the way. Oklahoma, this is the best team yet under Lincoln Riley. And then Alabama or Georgia. So boring, boring, boring when it comes to the college football playoff and the same old, same old. But that's really, if you're looking ahead, that's kind of it. That's the chalk. Well, hey, look, as if we get some competitive playoff games, I'm sure people will be fine with uh, with the chalk there, Pete. If it yeah, happens. we're overdue for that. Yeah, hundred percent sure. I mean, look, I, just just give give me two good semifinals for the first time ever. That that's all I ask. Is that too much to ask, Pete? Seriously, at this point, I want one, I want one, I want one. All I ask is one really good game. We were so spoiled early on with this thing, uh, but yeah, just give us a good game. He's Pete Futag on the tweets at his name at Pete Futag. Uh, collegefootballnews.com is where you can find all of his work. The most extensive previews out there right now for the 2021 season. Pete, thanks for being with us this morning. Hey, time, guys. You have a good one. You as well. When we get back, we're going to dive back into the AFC West. We're going to go to Mile High. 
What are the Broncos going to be with those questions at quarterback? That's next on a numbers game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. a numbers game with Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. I'm Jeff Parles. Big thanks to Pete Futag and Dan Zimborski for being with us this morning. And, of course, Jeff Schwartz, who is with us in the first hour. If you missed any of the program, vsin.com slash podcast to get whatever you missed throughout the day. I'm Jeff Parles. Jason Kahn here as well. We continue our AFC West preview. Two teams to go. We'll go to the Denver Broncos. Let's go to the team in mile high first. Very simple for Denver. Who's the quarterback? (laughs) Uh, Their options, neither particularly good. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, of course, after one season in Carolina, after getting the big contract, the Panthers get out of that contract. Uh, They they cut him. They trade for Sam Darnold, uh, which really is kind of – that's all you need to know about what Carolina thought 
about Teddy Bridgewater in his one season as the Panthers quarterback. Uh, Drew Locke, of course, the second-round pick of two years ago, of 2019, still there for the uh, Broncos. It was a rough 2020 campaign for Locke. In the 13 starts he made, four and nine. The completion percentage, again, you normally don't see completion percentage nosedive like this. And, and we're talking about a guy who, look, I, I was working in Columbia, Missouri while Locke was there for his four years. Saw a lot of Drew Locke. Accuracy was always the problem for him. And accuracy was a huge issue last year. 57% of his passes, only him and Carson Wentz, were that low as NFL starters a year ago, and Sam Darnold as well. 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, uh, only 2,900 yards, a rough year for Drew Locke last year, and part of the reason that Teddy Bridgewater has been brought in to have at a bare minimum a competition with Drew Locke for the starting quarterback position in Denver. Right now, Locke listed as your starter, but again, a lot of question marks. Of course, there's Aaron Rodgers rumblings. The fact that he's not on Denver already, to me, feels like he's going to be playing for the Green Bay Packers or not at all this year. The odds to win the West, 5-1 to one for Denver, 22-1 to one to win the AFC title. Back up to 40-1. to one. Remember draft day, it was a crazy occurrence. Denver as high as 60-1 to one to win the Super Bowl, all the way down to as low as 15-1 to one because of the Aaron Rodgers. Rumors now back to about 40 to 1, which I still think is a little short uh, to win the Super Bowl. And then eight and a half on the season win total. Now, there are things to like about this Denver bunch. They get Cortland Sutton back. Jerry Judy has another year of experience, the first round pick out of Alabama. Their offensive line is improved. Garrett Bowles, again, the most perplexing season of improvement that you've ever seen last year. You get another season like that, Garrett Bowles, top five tackle in the NFL last year. Their defense, still really good, guys. Vaughn Miller back uh, drafting Patrick Sertan, signing Kyle Fuller. Uh, Still a really good defense there in Denver. The problem is for the Broncos, and as you look at their season, you look at their schedule, week one at the Giants, it's virtually a pick. The Broncos are favored on the road right now. I don't know if I I I agree with that. The Giants are going to at least stay in this season as a competitive team. you got to win that game week one. The first six weeks, there are some winnable games. At the Giants, at Jacksonville, the Jets, in your home opener. Denver, obviously, a great home team early in the season. A great cover as well. Over 65% the last eight seasons in the first four weeks of the season at home at Mile High. At Pittsburgh is not a not an impossible game for them. They could win that one with how low I am on Pittsburgh and then the Raiders. But then after that, the schedule gets more difficult as we go along. Uh, starting at Cleveland, Washington is not a great matchup for them, even with the uh, the improved offensive line. At Dallas, there'll be a dog in that game. Uh, the Charger Chargers game and Kansas City games down the stretch will obviously be a dog. Even a Week 18 could be a scenario where Kansas City says, "Well, we got the playoffs wrapped up. We don't need." to go ahead and play our guys, and Denver could win that game. So the questions, as we said, who's playing quarterback, what happens with that defense? I, would, I wouldn't I would be shocked if Denver's defense regains form and becomes a top five, top ten defense yet again with Von Miller back. Look, the only thing we know Vic Vangio can do well is coach a defense. He's not a good head coach. Wouldn't shock me if he's done after this year. And for their season record, that eight and a half, I'm going to stay away because I can see 
a path where they get to 9-10 wins. The path is there. The quarterback play is average or even borderline good from Bridgewater or Locke. I don't I don't know if it would be Locke. It would be more likely to be Bridgewater. But I have him 7-10. and 10. The quarterback problems lead to an underachieving year for Denver, despite their defense being back into form. And Vic Fangio probably looking for a new job after the 2021 season. When we get back, we're going to go to L.A. The Chargers, one of the most intriguing teams in the NFL, and we'll discuss their prospects with Justin Herbert in year two next on a numbers game on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander. The VSIN football betting guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for college and the NFL season with a uh, need our guides. Our experts provide profiles on every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Each guide's only $20, and discounts are available when you buy both. Now is the time to reserve your copy and sign up for VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer the entire football season. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It is a numbers game here on VEASAN. I'm Jeff Parlson for Gil Alexander. Let's go to L.A. The team that the city of L.A. still doesn't realize is playing in Los Angeles, the L.A. Chargers. This team to me, is the most intriguing team in the entire NFL. New head coach, Brandon Staley. A, a, a very quick rise from Division Three to one year as a defensive coordinator to head coach in the NFL for Brandon Staley. He takes over for Anthony Lynn, who, uh, again, a, 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 way, a, a sideways tenure for, for Anthony Lynn, of course, uh, two seasons ago, the great year, the 12 and four back in 2019 that, uh, or excuse me, back in 2018, I should say, where the Chargers went 12 and four and won every single close game that they were in. And then the rest of his tenure, every single close game, the Chargers seemingly were, and they managed to lose. Uh, so I, I look, the, the biggest factor other than Justin Herbert here, which we'll get to Herbert in a second, the reigning offensive rookie of the year is when you lose as many close games as the Chargers have throughout the Anthony Glenn era. And look, when Gill is hosting, when we've had our guy Todd Wishnev on, when we've had really everyone on this program who watches football at the level we do, it is hard to lose as many close games as Anthony Glenn did in his era as a head coach as these L.A. Chargers. And we talk about regression back to the mean here a lot. At some point, you would anticipate a regression in a positive sense for the Chargers on close games. Now, I understand back in 2018, they legitimately won every close game, regressed back in a negative way for them. But with a, a quarterback that I expect to take a leap into the back end of the top 10 of NFL quarterbacks this year in Justin Herbert and a new head coach, I anticipate the Chargers to be one of the better teams in the league. And I look, I, I understand uh, what, what, uh, what Jeff Schwartz said and and the lowest vaccination rate, according to reports in the NFL, is with the Chargers. And look, the NFL's not going to cancel games this year for COVID. They're not going to move them around. You're going to have to play on the scheduled day. 
We see, we've seen this in college football as well. If you don't have enough guys, you forfeit. More than likely in a lot of these leagues this year. So for the Chargers, that is something that has to be worked out over the next uh, six weeks before the season starts. The Chargers, of course, seven and nine a year ago, six and uh, right now, thirty to one to win the Super Bowl, uh, six to one to win the AFC West. Which again, I'm kind of surprised they're longer than the Broncos are. Even though, again, I don't think anyone is going to surpass the Kansas City Chiefs on nine and a half on the season win total for the Chargers. I like that over. 16 to 1 to uh, win the AFC title, 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They're not there yet. Uh, Justin Herbert is due for another big year, guys. And, and, and look, I like his passing total over 4,555 yards. Herbert last year showed me so much more than I expected him to be. I thought he was going to struggle in the NFL. Last year, not expected to start. Of course, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, the medical mistake before that that Chief game, Herbert has to start, and from the get-go was phenomenal. 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a really low interception rate, below 2%, a good touchdown percentage of 5%. Uh, percent, uh, of course, that's uh, uh, touchdowns per attempt. Incredibly done from Justin Herbert the whole way through all year long and was really effective with his legs. Five rushing touchdowns as well. Herbert, I don't think he's an MVP candidate yet. For the Chargers. But he's clearly the second best quarterback in this division. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the AFC at this point. Uh, Mahomes is better. And uh, and Ryan Tannehill is better. Other than that, and Lamar Jackson is better too, even with the question marks about his throwing. Other than that, and you're saying, and I'm sure there are people thinking, Jeff, how, how could you leave Josh Allen out of this? Wouldn't shock me if Justin Herbert is better than Josh Allen long-term. Would not shock me one bit. And it would not shock me if Herbert is better than Ryan Tannehill long-term as well. And this is the year where he takes uh, takes the step forward. Now there are questions about Joe Lombardi, who, when he's been an offensive coordinator, not under Sean Payton, there have been some struggles in his career as an offensive coordinator. But I would expect him to be all right. The defense, who I've not even mentioned, they get Derwin James back. We cannot understand, understate how big that is to get a top-notch safety back on the back end of that defense. Joey Bosa's healthy. They do lose Melvin Ingram, but I don't think that's as big of a loss as some people would make it out to be. Chris Harris now there is the nickelback as well. Campbell and Davis looking like your starting corners, even though Asante Samuel Jr., I would anticipate, will be a starting cornerback sooner rather than later for this squad. The defense improves. Defensive-minded head coach in Brandon Staley. I expect the Chargers to regress back to the mean in a positive sense in close games. 11-6 and six for the Chargers. They are in the playoffs as the AFC sixth seed, and they will be an extraordinarily difficult out for whoever draws them in the first round, whether it is Cleveland or Buffalo, or heck, even if Kansas City doesn't get a bye, they could draw the Chargers or the Tennessee Titans or Indianapolis Colts. They will be a hard out in the playoffs this year, and I wouldn't be shocked if they stun someone in the first round or give the one seed a really hard go of it in the second round uh, for sure. But I do want to look at their schedule real quick for the uh, for the L.A. Chargers. And week one is an intriguing matchup right out of the gate because they get Washington on the road in Landover, Maryland, right out of the gate. Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, will start for Washington. We'll get into the NFC previews next week. But those first three weeks are pretty brutal. Really, the first six weeks are really brutal for the Chargers. 
And the only concern that I have for them this year is they could start one and five. Lose at Washington, lose to the, the Cowboys, lose at Kansas City, get swept in those two games against the AFC North teams in Cleveland and Baltimore, where they will be an underdog in a probably half, maybe even four out of six games early in the season. The only concern for the Chargers for me is just the fact that if they start one and five or heck even one and or zero oh and six, I don't think they'll lose to, to Vegas. But just now losing the confidence as a young team with a young head coach, especially look at that back half of that schedule. They are going to be favored in a lot of those games down the stretch, if not all of those games down the stretch. Just avoid the disastrous start, and the Chargers will go into the playoffs. I have them starting 3-3, three and three, which means they're going to be just fine and be able to get to that 11-6 and six and have a great second half of the season. They're a bet on late. They're going to be an under team. Chargers to make the playoffs, and over the 9.5 wins is where I'm looking for L.A. When we get back, we'll continue looking at the AFC West and... I have some baseball plays for today. That's next on a numbers game on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.
Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Bet fearlessly on your favorite sports with a risk-free first wager up to $600 at BetMGM. Just sign up using the bonus code VSIN600 and get in the game with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and again, use the promo code VSIN600 to make your first wager risk-free up to $600. It's a new customer offer only, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions 21 or older to place a wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text REDLINE, 1-800-889-9789 in Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And the promotional offer not available in the state of Nevada. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. I'm Jeff Parles. Jason Kahn here as well, producer number seven. Uh, Jason, uh, again, a bunch of oddballs. It's still At some point, we're going to have to get Danny Burke in here while I'm hosting for Gil. So we just take care of the last three producers for uh, for Gil. We're not going to have Mandaka, though. No Mandaka. Sorry, Jorge, if you're listening. We're, we're, we're just going to stick with the last three uh, for, for producers-wise. Because, uh, of course, Danny Burke. Host Rush Hour here on the network, 7 o'clock Eastern time out of the city of Chicago. Uh, of course, the program brought to you by BetMGM as well here on a numbers game. And uh, let's flash off my four bets that I'm going to be making in the AFC West. And we'll work from the bottom to the top here. The Raiders under seven is the one I'm the least confident in of the four. There is a path where Vegas gets to eight wins. The schedule is soft enough. The offense, the one thing with, with, with the Raiders, I will say, I think their defense is horrific. They're going to be a bottom five defense. But there is enough talent offensively, and I understand you have question marks at, 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 at the wide receiver position with how good is Henry Ruggs going to be, what is Brian Edwards, can Willie Sneed give you anything at the wide receiver position, but one thing that the Raiders do have, Darren Waller is at this point the th- clearly the third best tight end in the NFL. Only Kelsey and Kittle are better. So you have an elite position player there. Josh Jacobs is a top-tier running back. So there is a path for me to get torpedoed on the under seven. But the offensive line, I just don't like. I don't think it's any good at this point. And the defense is just such a disaster. And the Dece- December swoon. Their schedule is brutal the last five weeks of the season. That's why I like them under seven. I could also push push as well. Seven and 11, absolutely in play for the Las Vegas Raiders. Put it back, putting it back on the screen here. We look at the Chargers coupled together. Look, if you like the Chargers over nine and a half wins like I do, you have to, you have to like them to make the playoffs. I have a very hard time seeing what we saw last year in the AFC. We're 10 and six where this year would be 10-7, and would not be enough to get into the postseason. I just have a hard time seeing that. And the Chargers, look, uh, they are very talented. There are questions at head coach. We just don't know what Brandon Staley's going to be. 
We assume he's going to be an improvement over Anthony Lynn based off of what we saw in the Anthony Lynn tenure in Los Angeles and San Diego. But again, a a second-year quarterback, I expect Justin Herbert to look even better than what he was a year ago, and that was pretty darn good as it was. So the Chargers coupling these together, they're correlated. Over nine and a half wins to make the playoffs at plus money. Uh, The Chargers, those would be bets I have there. And then the one I like the most, Travis Kelsey over 10 receiving touchdowns. You can find this at DraftKings. It is juiced at minus 130. I understand two years ago he only had five touchdowns. But since Patrick Mahomes has taken over, and keep in mind you do get the extra game, but... I'm not so certain how relevant the 18th game is going to be for Kansas City because I expect them to lock up the division pretty early. And we have seen in the past that Andy Reid will not play his guys once they have position locked up. Uh, the, I expect them to be the one seed if they beat Cleveland week one. The Browns, to me, are the biggest competition to Kansas City for the one seed. When you have that tiebreaker on ice in September, you're probably not going to utilize your guys in week 18. So that is the one thing that could hurt you. But in the three years with Mahomes, and keep in mind, Mahomes and Kelsey did not play in the final week of the season two of these times. They played in 2019 because, of course, they were playing to potentially get the two seed. We know what happened there. Kansas City beat the Chargers. Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins is a 17-and-a-half point favorite. Went into Foxborough, upset New England, and that was that was basically the end for the Patriots dynasty not the Tom Brady dynasty though Kelsey in his three years with Patrick Mahomes at the helm 10 receiving touchdowns he did have the five in 2019 where he struggled to score but still had 97 receptions a big year and 11 a year ago I anticipate that Kelsey is going to be the one option that teams will not be able to slow down they'll be able to figure out game plans for Tyree Kill I think that was a little bit unveiled again it's hard for teams to uh, pressure Mahomes like that. Within the, it's hard. You know, not many teams have elite pass rushes like Tampa Bay does. But I think there's a path at least to slow down Tyree Kill a little bit more than Travis Kelsey, just because there's a lot more questions than there were in the path in the past on the second receiver for Kansas City. So Kelsey over ten receiving touchdowns. I like that a whole lot. Even though you have to lay minus one thirty juice on Kansas City's tight end to go over ten. The order of finish here in the division. Kansas City first, Chargers second, Denver third, Raiders fourth. That's the order I anticipate in the AFC West. Tomorrow on the uh, on the uh, preview here, because we'll have the whole AFC done. We have the whole AFC done. By the way, we'll have the whole seven playoff teams in order for you uh, right now, at least from me. Uh, you have the Kansas City Chiefs as the one seed, Cleveland as the two seed, Buffalo the three, Tennessee, the four, Baltimore, the five. So you get a rematch at last year's uh, wild card weekend and the previous year divisional round again between Baltimore and Tennessee. You have the Chargers as the six, which would be an intriguing matchup with Buffalo in the wild card round. And then Indianapolis sneaking in as the seventh seed, uh, winning the seventh seed on virtue of a tiebreaker over New England in what I had preseason. Those two teams meet in week 16. I have Indianapolis winning at home in order to get the uh, the seventh seed and play Cleveland and get stomped uh, by the Browns in the first round. We'll have my full playoff predictions tomorrow on the program. We'll tell you who's coming out of the AFC. It's not Kansas City, guys. Just have you there. We're not going to have a three-peat in the AFC um, championship market. 
I'll tell you who the team will be. I think if, if you've been listening all week, I think you know the direction I'm going with, with who I have coming out of the AFC. But that's coming on tomorrow's program. Uh, I want to shift over to baseball for the last few moments here because, Jason, kind of, I haven't given out many plays in baseball because I'm very cautious on a diamond at this point. And I know Gil has been cautious as well this year. But I want to look to the, the big game on the board tonight, the Giants and the Dodgers. The Giants have taken two out of the first three in L.A. The uh, the big ninth inning last night to come from behind, win 4-2, to two, to take game number three of this series after the Giants in game two of that series. The shoe was on the other foot. The Dodgers scored three in the bottom of the ninth inning to, uh, to steal that game away from the Giants. Kenley Jansen last night struggled in that ninth inning. And again, the one question for the Dodgers moving forward, it is their bullpen. And it's their health, those two questions. And the Giants tonight sent Anthony DiScofani, who has been great this year. He did lose his first start out of the All-Star break. DiScofani, though, a sub-30 ERA, has been one of the best for the Giants in a year where they have gotten starting pitching from places you would not have expected. The Giants were the first team to 60 wins with the win last night. Walker Bueller, the ace of the Dodgers on the hill for LA, plus 155 on the Giants' consensus right now. And We've talked about this last night on primetime action and, and Adam Candy and myself. The Giants are still undervalued here. They're clearly at this point have to be considered a top five team in baseball. We're 95 games in and they're 60 and 35. They're an elite team. We can't argue this point at the, uh, now. They're going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of will they get the one seed and, and, and end up holding off the Dodgers and the Padres in the NL last race, or will they have to play in a wild card game? They're, they're clearly one of the, the, the three best teams in the NL at this point, and they still have not fully gotten the respect in the betting markets. At plus 155 tonight and plus 150 in the first five, the Giants present some value here yet again. I understand it's Walker Bueller. I like the full game more than the first five because there is the potential where Bueller just shuts down the Giants for six innings, seven innings, and the Giants have to come back against the bullpen. But at some point, you just got to, when you're getting prices like this on San Francisco, until the clock strikes midnight, which at this rate, I don't think it's happening until the postseason, you have to keep firing on the Giants at plus prices. I like them tonight again, plus 155 on Anthony DiScofani. The other one I like. We'll go to Seattle. It's Oakland and Seattle. The Mariners hosting the A's. Chris Flex, and again, the Mariners at some point are going to go on a stretch where they lose 20 out of 25. The way they've won game this year, it's completely not sustainable. They sent Chris Flex, and it was a massive regression candidate tonight to the mound. A minus 140, this has been bet up about five cents from the overnight. The total's been bet down. I like it over seven and a half. I expect the A's to hit. Chris Flexen and the Mariners are look the one thing the Mariners do do well is hit homers you can take Manaya deep a few times you're gonna give me a seven and a half I don't care that it's in a great pitcher's park we'll go over seven and a half tonight so two baseball plays the Giants just because again that price is off and over seven and a half in Oakland and Seattle tonight at T-Mobile Park in the Pacific Northwest that's all the time we have here on a numbers game big thanks to Jeff Schwartz Pete Futek, Dan Simborski. Big thanks to Jason Kahn, as always, producer number seven. I'm Jeff Parles. We're back tomorrow on a numbers game Lombardi line.
That's next here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 